Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 17 of Oral Presentations, titled The History and Introduction to Arc Welding. We're going to do a shop class one. I, uh, I got a real soft spot for this topic. Um, so I'm, I, I wanted to do the history and introduction to welding in general, but my welding knowledge was so limited before I started on this research. And then less than a third of the way through, I was like, Jesus Christ, there's so much to this. This is, this is a massive, complicated technical field. But I didn't want to give up on it. I really like the topic. So I narrowed it down to the history and introduction to arc welding. Now I did. I have. I did work at a body shop for like about three years, a little bit more. Um, and when I started, I had no zero skill. I had zero any technical skill, and I don't have a craft brain. I didn't even know that I didn't have the right kind of brain to do that kind of work. But I did know. Like, so the way that I got started on that, and I'm explaining why I love welding so much, and I'm going to be a dork this whole fucking episode because I really do have a soft spot for this type of work, and I didn't know it until I was older, right? So I was like 25, living with my girlfriend at the time on Kristen Street in Philly. And I remember we got a thing of Ikea, uh, like just draw, like I think it was like drawers or shelves or some shit, right? So we brought it home laughing and stuff. And then I was 25, like I go to like start building it. And then I just like just give up and leave it. I didn't even say anything. And then she ended up like building it. And then as she was building it, like I remember I walked up and I wasn't really thinking what was happening. But I walked up, I was like... Hey, do you like want something to drink or something? And then I realized that I was doing the hack thing of like a woman getting her man a lemonade as he's walking, like working on something. And I know that like, look, it's 2020. You're not supposed to have any sort of like, I don't even know if you're supposed to think like that, but I fuck, I'm just telling you how I felt. I remember feeling that way when I was 25, watching her put those shelves together and then hearing the words come out of my mouth of like, do you like want a lemonade, babe? Like it, it killed me, dude. And I didn't. I didn't really think about it or anything. I just like acted like it wasn't there. But then when I got an opportunity to like work at a body shop, my buddy Fennell, who's a comic, Brian Fennell, like was like, hey, you can come be like a detailer. And it was like, uh, I don't know, a handful of years ago. And again, I had the same level of skill of like no mechanical intelligence at all. So I went and I, uh, if you don't know what a detailer is at a body shop, like that's just a dude who washes cars. And like, I didn't, I didn't know, like you do it, there's technical skill to it. Like you have to learn how to buff and shit, but I had not like, I could barely use a hose dude, but from hanging around that. And then I think from remembering when I was 25 and I couldn't build those shelves, I just started like, just to look into stuff just to be like, well, what's going on here? What is, cause I saw everybody around me welding and like doing all this other shit and doing heavy jobs and getting paid well. And I just started poking around and then like, oh, can I take a front bumper off of something? Can I do whatever else. And like Fennell was at the same shop as me and he would like encourage me to try to do shit like that. So, I mean, I would, and I sucked forever. I still sucked. Even when I hurt my back, I still consider myself as like not a great, not great at that job, but so much better than I was. And that's like why this topic and that type, that type of work. Cause here's the thing. I started like, once I started working at it at that shop, like I just got like, like, a, I don't know, like it meant so much to me. Like, even though I was so bad at it, I remember just being like, just if this sucks, but how funny would it be if you got really good at this? Like nobody in my family has any sort of mechanical trade or any, there's no, there's nothing like that. And what I would go to learn is that like most of the people in these type of fields are legacies. Like Fennell is a legacy. Like his dad worked on cars. His dad, dad worked on cars. His dad, 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 like worked on fucking horses. (laughs) It's like, it just adds the technology. It's all legacy shit. So I thought it would be really cool to like, all right, well, I'm just going to try. I suck at this, but like, I'm going to be nice and just ask questions and see what's up. And like, it was my first year of that, like, it was like, a lot of like crying in my car on lunch break. <laughs> just like being so bad, like doing teardowns in the parking lot, just crying in my car, watching like Saving Private Ryan, which like, holy shit, what a drama queen looking back at me. It's like, dude, you're like not good at working on cars, but you're not fired. It's fine. But nah, man, it meant so much to me to like, to suck so bad and then just be in my car watching the, I remember the clip too. It's the clip and saving private Ryan where they go to take that hill and, uh, Giovanni Rabisi, uh, gets fucking killed. I forget that character's name. It's killing me. Wade. Boom. Got there. Wade gets shot up. He's the medic. Right. And I remember watching this scene and then everybody's around. They can't help him. And then the dudes underneath Tom Hanks start arguing about like, this is fucking stupid. Why are we doing this? Then Tom Hanks has to be like, he calms everybody down. And then he walks over the hill and then he just sits down and he just starts fucking crying because he doesn't know how to handle it either. But like, 
I remember watching that scene, them wanting to be Tom Hanks so bad, which is such like a drama queen boy fantasy of like, I just want to be the guy who can handle shit. Because back when I couldn't build that furniture, I couldn't even come close to even acting like I could handle shit. And I knew it was an opportunity to like learn mechanical skills that's like undeniably useful. Just like like with stand up or any like like cubicle work that I've done before that like you can always kind of like soft like ah, I don't know did, like did I fuck up did I not fuck up I don't know is it worth something is it not worth something but like what I liked about cars at least personally is that like you can't argue with like if somebody pulls in a Hyundai Kona and it's fucked up and then you can be the guy who can fix that and then it leaves that's objectively valuable and so I thought all that when like I decided to just like try to try to work hard at it so what I'm getting at is that when I decided to work at it, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know how to even start approaching working at it. So, and this is funny because eventually a woman would come from HR and the company that was like the HR, of the company I worked for was like in Minnesota. And this happened when I was at Clifton Heights, but this is the plan I was using the whole time. So like this like corporate higher up came to Clifton Heights and like walked around and asked everybody how they liked their job and shit. And like, you didn't even have to talk to this lady. Like some of the techs would just like put on a welding helmet and acted like they were doing something so they wouldn't have to talk to her. Which I thought was really funny. But like when she came up to me, she was like, so how do you like your job? And I was just way too honest with her. Like immediately I was so excited somebody asked me about it because I figured she'd be interested in it too. So when she asked me like, well, how do you like your job? And at that point in time, I was like two and a half years in. I was just to the point where like I don't have to worry about getting fired every day and things were getting really fun. And so, like, I remember she asked me, and I was like, okay, well, here's the thing. So I started, and I was a complete useless idiot. I should have gotten fired, right? So you ever played Diablo 2? That's how I've been thinking about this thing the whole time. So, like, if you've never played Diablo 2, you get to pick what character class you have, and then your character has different skill levels, like endurance and health and a magic ability and then weapon ability and stuff like that. And so how I've, how I've tried to learn how to work on cars is that I've thought of myself as, like, a necromancer from, uh, from Diablo 2. Like, I'm not really made for this, but I can try to, like, increase different skill levels. Like the, and I seriously thought about it this, this way. Where it's like your ability to take a car apart with good organization and cleanly and know where everything's at is like your teardown skill. And that's one Diablo 2 bar you have. And then your ability to build a car regardless of like, all right, well, the parts organized or not. I don't really know where the parts at. Is the fender painted yet? All that shit counts with like your build skill. Of how quickly can you figure that out? And that's a different Diablo 2 fucking character building thing you have. And then like doing body work, like just doing the metal work underneath before you put the body work on top of it, like that metal working ability, the ability to like use, there's this tool called a shark that like, if you grind off the paint and you have bare metal, you can use it to, it sticks on and you can kind of pull out dents a little bit to get the metal work pretty close to perfect. And then you can put a, like, a thin swipe of body on top of it. And then your job's pretty much done. The, the closer you get metal work done, the less body work you have to do. But metal work itself was a skill in my Diablo 2 character. And then body work is a Diablo 2 character skill. And dude, at the very top of my Diablo 2 thing is welding. Because in a body shop, that like that would be the last skill tree I fuck with. Because if I could nail down all the other ones, because then that unlocks like big heavy-duty jobs like welding on quarter panels. Like when you have to replace a quarter panel. Welding on like the floor, the back body, like all... It just opened, like, that's the, in my head, that was the top pyramid of skill level for my Diablo 2 character. And I didn't realize that until I was looking into this, because I got fired up doing this research of this topic, like, mad at myself, being like, you should fucking know this by now. But anyway, so this lady came from Minnesota, and I told her all that Diablo 2 shit, and she was just like, all right, so it sounds like you like your job. All right. Well, it's nice to meet you. What was your name again? And I was like, my name's Chris. Thank you so much. Because in my head, I was like, she's definitely going to go back to HR and be like, there's this really creative thinker who she probably fucking walked away from there being like, all right, so people are insane in Philadelphia. What the fuck was that guy talking about? Video games? Did he call himself a necromancer at some point? Does he know he's working on a Fiat right now? <laughs> like, ask my boss if he's okay. But I remember explaining it, and so like that's why I'm so hype on this topic of welding, and that's why even when the research started and it was too, it was too. Dude, welding is so complicated. There's so many different forms of it, but I, I still I didn't want to give up on it. I wanted to like narrow it down and at least do some form of it. So oral presentations episode 17 is the history and introduction of arc welding, and I didn't know I was going to get fired up doing the research, but it still bothers me that I don't. I never. I blew my back out before I got there. And, like, it's nobody's fault but mine. I should have spent Saturdays fucking welding junk doors and stuff and being able to do shit on the side. 
but it's just yeah i didn't know it bothered me like that but looking into it i, I caught a wild hair like you gotta fucking at least do this at least do this small part as well as you can and so that's that's episode 17 the history and introduction to arc welding and i also wanted to make this episode like if you are a dude who listens to this and you weld like it's your job and shit you're not going to learn anything new from this if you already weld this is like i wanted to make it so that like my sister and my mom could like listen to this and be like oh that's some interesting facts about welding i didn't really know how that worked but i also wanted to make it passable to a dude like you if you're listening to this and you weld and you're like all right, he did an all right job explaining that shit. I got it. I got it. He could have definitely went more in depth. Like, I'm skipping a ton of shit because when I was doing the research on this, this is it kind of struck me as, like, I haven't done a math topic yet either because, like, I don't know how I'm going to explain numbers using my voice. Like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do a math topic without doing some crazy analogy, like an animal farm thing about how you carry the numbers off. I don't really know how I'm going to do a math topic, but when I started looking into this... I got a little worried when I was like a little bit less than halfway into the research of being like, how the fuck am I going to explain all this? Because it is so complicated. Like, but I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip over a lot of the shit that anybody listening to this who's a professional welder knows and has to deal with to be able to like actually weld correctly. And I just want to do an introduction, you know, and the history of, it's just going to be three different types of arc welding. So I'll explain what arc welding is, and then we'll look at three different types of welding and talk about what's good and what's bad about them. And if you're just a regular person, what's up? You're definitely going to learn some shit. And if you listen to episode 11 on electricity, that comes back into play at the beginning of this. So if you haven't, I mean, you're not going to miss anything, but if you listen to 11, you're going to hear a couple familiar names and that'll be fun. All right. Episode 17. Let's get it going. That's what I'm saying. So what the fuck is welding? If you don't know, welding is an operation whereby two or more parts are united by using heat or pressure or both. Now, the two, the two metal parts you start with are referred to as the parent material because you're going to be joining them to make a nice little metal family. Right, So your two parts you start with are your parent material. They're not together. You're a welder. It's your job to put these fucking things together. Now, it could be plate or pipe or whatever else. Right, So those two things have to go together. Now, there's going to be a third material involved most of the time. But again, if you're a professional welder, you already know that you don't always need a third material. But for the sake of this podcast, we're going to go with you always need a third material here just to streamline it or else I'll shoot off into 19 different fucking directions and I'll never, there'll be a nine hour podcast. You guys will stop listening to it. You'd be like, this guy's just reading Wikipedia's at this point. All right. So there is a third. So you got the two, you got your parent materials, mama and papa. And then you got your third material that is going to be added on while you bond those parent materials. And that third material is referred to as the filler or the consumable. Now it's uh, usually a, a, well, it's like a wire, but it's packaged in different, different, places as we'll look into three different types of arc welding different versions of it all right now the filler is usually of similar like composite to the parent material this is also a thing that if you're a professional welder you know that like the actual atomic structure of these metals is super important we're not going to go into that we're just going to keep it as basic as possible but this does get so many different like onion layers complicated if you do this professionally now, what sets welding apart from other joining processes, like there are other ways to make metal hang out with each other and stick together, like brazing and soldering. Okay, brazing and soldering, the base metals or the parent metals themselves are never melted. Now, with welding, you are actually going to melt the base metal. The, the parent materials are going to melt when you apply heat or force pressure to it. And it's going to cause something called a weld pool, which is the original material. So you're actually making two things into one, like that Spice Girl song, dude. Two become one. We're talking about welding. All right. So before we get into anything, where the fuck did this start from? Who thought to start joining metal and who figured this shit out? All right. The best we can come up with is that we're going to start with uh, it's 1800 BC and we're in Turkey. So we're going to talk about Turkish forge welding, right? So it began, so you get iron, right? Iron comes out of the earth, you mine iron. But it doesn't come out of the earth as regular iron that you can fucking blacksmith into, into shit. It comes out as iron ore. 
So they had to discover a smelting process in which the iron is separated from all the other impurities and dirt and all this other shit that you actually mine iron ore out of the ground in. So you have to smelt it and get the, uh, get the iron separate. Now, once you have separate iron, okay, cool. It's Turkey. It's 1800 BC. We got iron. How do we put these fucking things together, right? That's where you come into forge welding. Now, this is like medieval blacksmith shit. If you're just a regular person, picture a medieval blacksmith. You're about to find out what the fuck they were doing the whole time, which I, th- I thought was exciting when I got to this point of like, oh, nice. I get to know if I picture a blacksmith, he's just hitting something with a hammer. I don't really know what the fuck he's doing, but he looks cool. I don't know what's going on here. I'll tell you what's going on there, right? So that blacksmith, so he has iron, right? Let's say this blacksmith's got iron. He's got to put, he's going to join two pieces of iron together, and he's going to do that using forge welding. So what he does, he heats up those two pieces of iron. All right, so he's going to have to get them hot enough to their melting point, right? But here's a sneaky part. Listen to this. I thought this was so cool, right? So you heat the iron bars up. Let's say you're a Turkish blacksmith. You're going to put two iron bars together. You heat them up evenly, as evenly as you can. And then they would, they need a thing called flux, right? So flux is a compound that you use to make sure that your weld is, uh, has less impurities than it could have. Cause a big, the enemy of a good weld is impurities or one of the enemies is impurities. So as you are joining these two metals together, you really do not want oxygen. It's any sort of like impurities will get in there and they'll make the weld fucking dog shit. And then you can't count on it. If you're an 1800 turkey and you weld something, and it's got a bunch of impurities in it. Let's say it's a sword. You give it to your buddy. He's going to get his fucking head cut off out in battle because his sword broke. You don't want that. So Turkish blacksmith, they, they started using silica sand, just sand because it's got silica in it. So they would heat the iron up to the point right before it melts and then they throw a bunch of fucking the sand on there. And what that does is that it provides a thing to keep impurities away. And then they, they use the hammer and then they would hammer the two together. So they already got the heat, the hammers, the pressure, the silica sand is helping combat impurities. And then as they hammer the flux, AKA the silica sand will kind of get uh, pushed out, but also it'll, they'll have a much cleaner well between the two pieces. So that's what a blacksmith's doing. He's throwing some sand on there. Got that? And he's banging away with a hammer. That's kind of what a blacksmith does. How fucking cool is that? That's all. And they evenly heat it, and that's how you they weld iron. That's forge welding way back in the day. Right? So they hammer out the impurities. That's basic forge welding in Turkey. Oh, yeah. I'm, I should say that, like, it's localized melting. Like, the whole, like, if you're picturing a blacksmith with, uh, like, the whole iron bar is like bright red that's not no like it's just just the part you want to weld is where you're going to put the heat there with the sand like it's not like you have a giant red thing it's just wherever you're going to weld you need to apply the heat so that it can melt and then you can uh, use a hammer press together and the silica sand be able to bond the two pieces together and again you're you're melting the actual parent metals there which makes it different from brazing and soldering all right so that is Without electricity. Now, this is where we're going to throw back to episode 11 a little bit. Now, I didn't say this guy's name in episode 11, but he was on the chopping block for whether or not to include him. But I decided not to because I wanted to stop that episode where it stopped at and then just say that nice thing about Frankenstein. And that was it. But this guy was the was technically in the notes for 11 in between Voltaire's pile and Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. This dude's name is Sir Humphrey Davies. Okay, so this is this takes place... It was developed in the 1810s. This is after, if you listen to episode 11, Alessandro Volta and the other Italian dude, who nobody remembers his name, myself included, because he fucking lost that battle. So Alessandro Volta was an electrician way back in the day who was in an argument with this other Italian dude. And the Italian, the other Italian dude was like, I think energy or I think electricity is inherent in all animals. I think there's a thing called animal electricity. And he did a couple crafty experiments to prove it. He was also like big on God and the church and all this other shit. Alessandro Volta, if you listen back to 11, not into it. He was like, yo, fuck that shit. He's making that shit up. There's no God. There's no way. There's no way animals make electricity. I don't believe it. And how that eventually shook out is that Alessandro Volta invented what would be known as Volta's pile, which was the first man-made battery. No, no mechanical shit. No fucking animals. He stacked up metal and then connected, and then he uh, he put paper that was with uh, dipped in slightly acidic solution, 
in between the, the uh, piece, the like CD ROMs of metal, put wires on there, and then he found out. I believe he touched it to his tongue. See, uh, yeah, he touched it to his tongue to make sure it worked, and he found a way to. He made the first battery. It was a constant stream of electricity. So that was huge. The other guy fucking died in obscurity. Alexander Volta, famous as shit. Fuck yeah, right? So Volta's pile leads us to this dude, Sir Humphrey Davies, in like the 1810s, right? So what Davies does is like, this is fucking great. Oh, my God. Davies gets like a buddy's basement, and he gets 800 of Alessandro Volta's pile. So 800 of the first batteries ever made, and he, he fucking packs them in his buddy's basement, and then he puts wires on both ends of it, and then he puts carbon rods on the ends of those wires, and Humphrey Davies puts them close to each other in this basement, and what happens is that an arc is spawned. Now, what that means is that electricity was hopping from one of those carbon rods to the other carbon rods, which then the elect- like it caused an incredible light. Like Alessandro Volta found a way to produce light using an arc, hence an arc light. It was a successful invention. Man-made electricity turned into light. And Humphrey Davies eventually uh, used that technology to make um, a safety lamp for miners, I believe, in England. That was what he was going for, right? doesn't matter what he was going for. You invented a fucking arc lamp, dude. So this technology and uh, will be able to lead the way into arc welding. So let's. this lands us at our topic, which is arc welding itself. Okay. So just like Alessandro Volta in that basement with those batteries put those carbon rods together and those electrons, if you listen to 11, were jumping to complete the electrical circuit. And in doing so, we're spawning a bunch of light and energy in between the two rods. It was a super bright lamp, by the way. Like, people would use, like, the arc light after Davies invented that. For a long time, they used it for, like, street lights and indoor lighting. And people were kind of like, oh, it's cool, but also quietly being like, it's too fucking bright. Because if you've ever seen anybody weld, like, that is, like, you can get welder's, uh, I think it's called welder's flash, like, welder's blindness. Fennell told me about it, where it's like, dude, don't look at a weld when I'm welding because your eyes will go blind for a couple of minutes. That was the type of indoor lighting they had in like the 1800s. That was like highfalutin. If you were the aristocracy, people went in your house and they were like, I can't fucking see. Is there an eclipse in here? I'm fucking blind. This is turn the fucking lights out. Let's go back to candles. So they were using actual arc lamps. I mean, for street lamps, it wasn't so bad. It does it is super bright. Um, and they even used them for street lamps. I believe up until like the 1960s or seventies in great Britain, like that technology was going for a while for like public use and street lamps, but dude, indoor. If you know what welding looks like when you're around it, imagine having all your lights when you turn them on be that bright. That'd be fucking hell on earth. Anyway, so that lands us at our topic, which is arc welding. All right, so the three types of wel- arc welding we're going to look at are stick welding, MIG welding with an M, as in Monopoly, and then TIG welding. With a T as in tomato. Just make sure we're getting those right. So stick welding, MIG welding, and TIG welding are the three types of arc welding that we're going to look at. And the reason we're going to look at them, uh, they're like the three main ones that I found. There's also like a submerged welding, but I was like, that's too fucking complicated. We're going to do stick, MIG, and TIG. And uh, they all fall under the umbrella of arc welding because they all use an electric arc to be able to generate their heat, to be able to melt the base metals, to create the welding pool, to have the third metal added in, to be able to make a solid weld. So I thought of this um, in the same way that like, all right, so it's the arc welding umbrella to me because they're all under the same umbrella, the same way that like there's an umbrella of Christianity if you look at how religion kind of breaks down. So Christianity is one big umbrella. But then underneath it, you have like Baptist, fucking Protestant, Catholic, whatever else. Like it just breaks all down, but it's all governed under the same kind of thing. So that's the same way that stick welding, MIG welding, and TIG welding are all underneath the umbrella of arc welding. All right. The first one we're going to start with is uh, stick welding. Okay. Now, uh, it's technically called shielded metal arc welding, or for an acronym, it's SMAW. And this one, um, all right, so it was invented in Russia in 1888. And I like this one because I'm pretty sure this is what they were doing at fucking Magnitogorsk. I'm almost positive. It was invented in Russia. And as you'll learn to find out the properties of stick welding, almost for sure all those Slavic dudes falling to their death were fucking stick welding before the bodies hit the floor over there. It's also, stick welding is also cool 
because the, it's the type of welding they use for a lot of underwater welding, which I think is fucking awesome. You're in a scuba suit, you're underneath the water, fucking welding shit. And by shit, there's a the most of the underwater welding that takes place are dudes putting something called an anodus. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's a specific type of metal that will be welded onto underwater other metal shit. And the reason that like anodusts are important is because they will take on all the corrosion, like they attract corrosion. So it will then prolong the life of underwater, like submerged um, metal shit. So that's a lot of the underwater welding. I watched a thing on it. I thought it was really cool. Also, there, I'm going to post like a link to all the, like, the, the shit I watched on this. This was like one of the most pleasant things to research because anybody who has like welding demos or like explaining welding, like, I watched a ton of them, but like they're all just like, I don't know, 50, 54 year old dudes to 62 years old and they've just been welding their whole life and they're just, I don't know, they just seem kind of like confident in who they are and they're doing this really complicated thing and they're just explaining it it's i don't know it feels like a lot like when people at like the clifton height when jeff would show me how to do something at clifton heights or something like that like it is like a complicated thing but he's done it so much he's got so much confidence in it that he's just explaining it really relaxed and it's like it's really soothing like i'm definitely gonna post links to some of these videos i can't remember any of the guys offhand but there's a handful of them that are making really good welding demos that are like just kind of relaxing to watch, just like watching like a cool uncle explain something he does. I, I really enjoy it. Anyway, all right, so stick welding. What the fuck are we even talking about? I'm over here talking about underwater. You don't even know what I'm talking about yet. All right, so stick welding is a form of arc welding, so we're using that, bzz, that, that electricity, right? All right, so with stick welding, the reason it's called stick welding is because the actual stick itself, so a welding machine... The way it looks, you're going to plug it in or you get electricity somewhere, and then you got two wires coming out of a welding machine. There are two, they're, I'll call them wires, they're like big. And they got clamps on the side. Uh, the end of one of them, you got a stick in this case because you're stick welding, and then the other one, that's your work line, and that's what you attach to the same thing to be able to have the electricity complete the circuit and flow back in. Because if you don't have a work line correctly hooked up, that electricity is going to go into the thing you're welding, and then you don't know where the fuck it's going to go. That was one of the things I found out that, like, I watched a thing on welding safety, and they were like, you really got to, like, make sure your work line's hooked up correctly, because there is, it can be catastrophic if not, because you, if you're working in a building, and let's say you're welding shit, and your work line's not, like, you don't know where your electricity's going after the weld, it will migrate wherever the fuck it wants to go, and there's a ton of examples of somebody welding something, and then you blow out all the electric in the whole fucking building, because you, the electricity just wants to go where it wants to go, so it's going through conductors as we covered number 11 hello damn dude i love how like a shit i've already learned kind of comes in like i didn't know to call those conductors and i was like oh yeah you learned that already but anyway so if you don't have your work line hooked up correctly for the electricity to recycle then it's going to go into the building you might blow out all the lights and definitely get fired if that happens right so in stick welding specifically all right uh so your work line is hooked up that's where it's going back in the one that's coming out is you got the stick at the end. That's what you're going to be holding the weld. Also, definitely have gloves on and a mask. Hello. Um, so the stick itself is the high level of technology here, in my opinion. So the stick has the filler material, the third metal that you're going you're gonna to use to help join the weld. So you got your parent materials already lined up, um, and you should clean them off. But with stick welding, you can kind of get away. Like stick welding sort of heavy duty. Like that's why they could do it at Magneto Gorsk or outside because the technology in the stick itself is good enough and makes it super versatile to be able to use in different situations. That's why you can use it underwater. And that's why I think they were using this shit at the Gorsk baby. So the stick itself, the, uh, the metal on the inside of the stick is what you're going to be using to melt into the parent materials. But the coating on the outside of the stick acts as your flux. How fucking smart is this? Right? So instead of, remember the, the Turkish blacksmiths who had to throw a handful of sand on that shit to try to keep impurities out? Nah, with stick welding, the metal that you're melting is coated on the outside of the stick, and the sticks are numbered in different ways. And again, if you're a professional welder, I chose not to go into all the different numbers and different uses because it's fucking endless. Hats off to you guys. That's fucking incredibly complex. But anyway... So the outside of the stick has a coating that will then get melted as you are welding when the electricity is going through that out the stick, causing the heat to melt the parent materials and then also melt your stick itself, which is slowly getting shorter and shorter the more you drag your weld across the weld line. 
but also as it's melting that, the outside of the stick is melting, which is acting as your flux because then that keeps out gas and impurities to make it a cleaner weld. And that's why you can weld underwater with stick welding or at Magneto Gorse when it's raining and all your friends are dying and you're miserable. You didn't eat anything. You got Lady Gaga boots on. It doesn't matter. You're still building a Sonic the Hedgehog City with decent wells if you know what you're doing because the, the technology around the stick itself is the flux. So your welds are protected. You don't have to throw sand on anything. I think it's so fucking smart. I was really impressed when I learned that. Stick welding, cool as shit. It's like a nerd's rope. Like, um, if you have any nerd's rope, like the, the rope itself is the metal that you're using to combine with your parent materials in your weld pool once the electricity gets going, the heat gets going. But then the nerds on the outside of the nerds rope are like the coating of the stick. And then as they burn off, they're going to burn off different because they're nerds rope. They're actual nerds. They're not the rope. But the nerds have a property to protect your fucking weld pool. So smart. Anyway, I'm sorry. I already uh, I already explained the – I got ahead of myself in the notes here. I explained the – okay, so just to recap. All right, so let's say you got a welding machine. You got uh, two lines. The line that goes to your actual the, – the stick one is called your electrode lead. And then your work lead it has a current return clamp, and that goes on the same thing to be able to uh, recycle your uh, your electricity back in so you don't blow out all the fucking lights in the Comcast building and get fired and get sued and get in so much trouble and your boss loses his house and his whole business goes under because you fucked up. Make sure your work lead is connected, right? All right. This then brings us to our second type of arc welding that we're going to look into MIG welding, again, that is a M at the beginning of that, like Mickey Mouse. Uh, it stands for metal inert gas. All right, so MIG welding, and this is the kind of welding that I was around at the body shop that I was really jonesing to fucking learn, and I didn't know it bothered me so much, but looking into this, I was like, God damn it, Chris, why didn't you go in on Saturdays all the time and just weld fucking junk doors, you idiot? You could have learned this shit. Could have been a better tech before you blew your back out, you idiot. Anyway, all right, stop beating yourself up. Here we go. MIG welding, hello. Second type of arc welding. All right, let's spice it up. Instead of instead of stick welding, instead of using the outside of the stick for our flux, we're going to use, let's get some gas involved. Let's get some gas involved. Why not? Right? So MIG welding, the way that this works, and this one looks a little different. So you don't have a stick on the end of your electrode lead. Instead of, like, uh, and your welding machine's a little different on this one, too. And you have a gas tank connected. A little bit more complicated setup here. But technically, and I looked into this, this is the easiest type of welding to learn. They say, I heard somebody say you should learn stick welding first because you gotta, there's a lot to learn there and you learn the basics of it. And then you can migrate over to MIG welding. But then in another demo, it was like MIG welding is the easiest one, especially for commercial production. There's some drawbacks to it that we'll get to, but MIG welding is pretty cool. All right, so how does this differ from stick welding? All right, so MIG welding... What you're doing, you don't have a stick anymore. You're like the end, the actual thing you're using a weld with, right? It's got a copper wire that goes through the line, right? So there's a spool of, uh, it's not always copper. It's actually, again, if you're a professional welder, you know that there's a ton of different diameters of wire, a ton of different alloys of wire, a ton of different shit, right? But anyway, basic MIG welding in your, in your welder, you got a spool of something, right? And that's going to be your filler material. And that comes out automatically when you squeeze a trigger. All right, so you got your uh, you got the spool coming out, and then the gas also goes through that line. Uh, and the gas is usually argon and carbon dioxide mix, and that's going to act as your flux here because as that comes out of the hose, as the copper wire comes out of the hose, you have a nozzle on the end of your welder. Uh, it kind of looks like all right. So if you if you stick your pointer finger out right now, like you're pointing at somebody. Let's say that's your copper wire, and then imagine a blue Rockstar Energy drink. <laughs> uh, cut off the top and bottom of that Rockstar Energy drink, and then slip it over your finger. All right, that's kind of what the end of this welder looks like, where your finger is the wire, and then that Rockstar Energy drink can that you now cut off the bottom and top, and you definitely drank before you did that. Hello. Um, that's your nozzle and that's going to help direct the gas around the weld pool that you're making because argon and carbon dioxide will act as the flux as it comes out of that nozzle as you're generating heat using that, uh, the wire and the electricity that flows through it to melt the base metals and make your, uh, weld pool and then add, uh, the wire to it as you draw your line as you're welding. That is MIG welding and it differs because it has the gas lead and it's also, um, 
They say the positives of MIG welding is high productivity. Um, it's like easily automated and there's a wide range of like materials that you can use. The big drawback to MIG welding and why it wouldn't work on Magnetogorsk is because you can't really do it outside because you're dealing with gases, your flux. So if you're outside in the cold winter of Magnetogorsk, like you know it is, and you're up on that fucking shitty scaffolding that people fall off of every day, the wind's blowing. So if you're MIG welding, you're, all your flux that's coming out is going to get blown in whatever direction. So your, your weld pool's not going to be protected by the flux like it should be. So because of that, MIG welding is usually done on like an indoor basis. And that's why it was done at the body shop. Like when I watched Jeff and, uh, you know, he would try to, but here's the thing. I've never really had, I should have came in on Saturdays and done junk doors because anytime I wanted to like try to help Jeff and like Jeff and think about letting me weld something, dude, I'm not, it's not, like, it's the UFC, dude. It's not a fucking joke. This is somebody's car. You got to do this right. So I would never, like, I would never do that. But, yeah, shout out Jeff was a man, dude. I remember this one time. Here's another example of those kind of guys having a brain that I didn't have. Dude, these dudes would, like, build stuff all the time. Like, all the time. Anybody with a craft brain like that's always taking shit apart in their head. Not. I remember I didn't know if I was friends or not with Jeff. And then one day, we were working late together. And then he just had to know. He was like, yo, dude, do you ever fuck with, like, penis pumps? And I was like, nah. And then he was like, dude, here's the thing. I built my own because I had three and they weren't strong enough. Dude, this guy built his own fucking penis pump using like a food saver vacuum, a tube, and then he used the filter from his fish tank aquarium. He like drained his fish tank, used that. I don't even know. I didn't really even expl- like understand it when he, when he explained it to me. I was just so in awe of like even, even thinking of that. I wouldn't even think of that. I was, I was just looking at him. I, he was explaining it to me, and it was like I was watching like a movie of like, the, the supercontinent of Pangea break apart. I was just completely in awe. If I had never seen it before, I'd be like, oh, my God, that, that's, that made the world? Holy shit, Jeff. I'm telling you, these kind of guys are great. If you're a young person listening to this, and you don't know if you're going to college or not, I'm not telling you how to live your life. But, dude, if you buckle down and learn a trade, by the time you're 25, you can make like $100,000 a year, and like you're your own boss, and you can do whatever the fuck you want. If I had a if I had a way to communicate with like prior Chris, I would tell him like, dude, do not go to Westchester. Like you you do learn Spanish there and you meet that girl and stuff, but that's I'm telling you, just go to a trade school and learn some shit, dude. Be your own boss by twenty five, make real money, and then figure out whatever the fuck you want to do. It's so smart. I don't know. Anyway, so that's MIG welding. Hello, automotive MIG welding plus Jeff's custom penis pump. Check that out. I'm telling you. Also, the type of dudes you work with, endlessly interesting. Where else you can't hear custom penis pump plans in a cubicle job? You, I don't even think you're allowed to talk like that. But it's it's super fascinating. Anyway, our last style of arc welding we're going to talk about is TIG welding. Now, I kept this one for last, and this one seems to be, the more I looked into it, it seems like this is like the calligraphy of welding. Like, this is, like, very, very difficult. But, like, I'm definitely... Nowhere near learning how to TIG weld. Like, I got to learn how to MIG weld first. I, I, I don't know. I got to fix my back first, what I got to fucking do. But anyway, all right, so TIG welding. We got a similar setup to the MIG welding here where we got the gas around it. But here's the little switch up. You don't have wire being fed through a spool anymore. You have a tungsten electrode in the middle of your monster of your monster energy drink. So in the middle of your funnel, you have a tungsten electrode because it's got a really high melting point. So you can throw a bunch of heat through that fucking thing. It's not going to do anything, right? So that's you use that to create your weld pool. And again, gas is your flux here, protecting your weld pool. Got to keep it clean. Keep it clean. Good welds. Come on now. Now where your third material comes in and why this this even looks super complicated, dude. So you got you got your tungsten electrode that's shooting electricity, melting your melting your parent metals. And then your extra, your filler material is a thin rod that you're holding with your other hand. It looks like calligraphy. This, If you can TIG well, dude, so much respect. Because even watching this, I was like, how the fuck would you do this? So you use that. You use the tungsten electrode. You create your weld pool. And then you add your filler by hand. It, I, almost like you're dipping it. And I should say that like with uh, all of these welding processes, when you're watching it, so when you weld something, like I say weld pool, and that's what it's called because it does look like a little pool of metal that you're making using using heat from whatever source or style of welding you're doing. You're making a little pool, right? And then you're choosing to either push or pull that pool in one direction. And so what it looks like and what they call it is drawing beads. It looks like you're layering beads over top. Like you've ever seen like an armadillo's back where it's got like scales on it. 
and they're layered or whatever. There's many animals like that. I just went armadillo. I don't know why, but like how scales are layered or like on a dragon. That's what it kind of looks like on a weld, but it's just one line of it. So you're making weld pools and you're stringing them together to be able to pair the two parent metals together. So when you're TIG welding, you're doing that, but you're at, you're using your other hand with a thin rod to dab in your weld pools as you move along. Good luck not fucking that up. That's a, I was watching that. I was like, yikes. I don't, <laughs> that's going to take years to learn. That looks, di- because there's a thing. And I'm not covering any of this, but if you're a welder and you're listening to this, you know I'm blowing past so many intricacies of actually being able to weld. Like, this is all book knowledge. Like, this is all the same. Like, if I read a manual on how to take cars apart and how to fix cars and whatever else before I ever started working at a body shop, I would have that book knowledge. That's totally different from actually being able to do it. Like, if you actually have to weld, like, I don't even know how to explain how difficult that is because I've never done it. I've never done like TIG welding or MIG welding really or the stick one. I've like resistance welded, which we didn't cover in this, but resistance welding is like spot welding. That's what it kind of looks like. If you ever, uh, I mean, I took sixth grade metals class with Mr. Cole. Shout out Mr. Cole. I'm pretty sure he's dead, but he's a nice guy. But I remember like, so resistance welding and the kind of welding that like I, I put a back body on once, like Keith helped me, but it was like, again, it was just straight training wheels. Like he showed me how to clean everything. And then putting a back body, it's just like welding a plate on a car. So once you get the bumper off and the rebar off, like you clean up all the sides and it's just putting a plate on. It's a new back body. I mean, depending on make and model, but the one we did was like a Honda Accord. It was easy as fuck, but it was done. Also shout out Keith for being so nice to me and helped me out with that one time. Cause again, it's not a really like a very easy work environment to learn in. Because everybody's on the clock, especially with the flat rate system where like every job is dictated by how many hours and then how many, how much you get paid per hours per that job. I'm not going to go into it, but the flat rate system in a body shop is like literally time is money. So no matter how much you like this dude who's trying hard to learn and thinks he's a Diablo 2 character, by taking time to teach him things, it is literally taking money out of your pocket because every job is quantified by how many hours it should take, which then translates directly into money. So I am super grateful for anybody who's ever helped me or show me anything in a body shop because I fully understand that like on the flat rate system, which if you're a good tech, like you choose to go to the flat rate system because you'll be able to like turn hours quicker than being an hourly guy. Because if you get like if I can get a job that's slated to be 16 hours done in eight hours because I'm a good technician, well, then I get paid for 16 hours and I just beat the estimate. It's kind of like a it's like a game you play at the end of it. Dude, how cool is that to look forward to? Look, I know it's dorky that I was thinking I was like a necromancer from Diablo 2 thinking about fucking car skills, but the end of the road was like being able to like weld and then play this like more or less cell phone mini game of like how much am I getting paid to fix this? How quickly can I do it? Like that's I don't know. I don't know what kind of brain I got, but that seems like a fun game to play. But again, it's not always fun. Like you get like I've I've seen other people, like, you get beat up, like, jobs are more complicated than you think, the estimate was wrong, whatever else. Like, there's obviously problems to it, but the overarching pay scheme of a flat rate system just seemed really cool to me. And it was, it was easy to get up for it. Anyway, I feel like we've talked a lot about how I worked on cars, and I don't know if, if I covered a lot of welding information. I mean, I tried to. I don't know. I, all right, real quick. So, TIG welding, the re, it's the calligraphy, it's the hardest one. Um... It is crazy difficult, but it's also the prettiest one. So, like, if you were going to have a weld that's going to be seen day in, day out by customers or something like that, TIG weld's a good move. Uh, also, like, uh, TIG welds are kind of temperamental because there's a low tolerance for, like, contaminants and impurities. So, it, again, you're going to be indoors most of the time doing this uh, because of the flux is the gas that's coming out of your funnel around around your weld. It's you're dabbing in your little rod of filler material that again, so impressive me, dude, if you can take weld, that's awesome. All right. So intricacies that I've left out of this to try to streamline it and explain it the best I can. All right. So when you are going to weld, like there are settings to welders and you got to know if you're a welder, you kind of have to know this shit. Like you have to know, like, what do you set the current at? What's the voltage at? How fast is your weld line actually going to travel when you're actually welding? Because that's a big deal. With TIG welding, I learned that it's a little bit slower because you have to dab and you can't rush it. If you rush it, if you rush a weld, you'll fuck it up. Also, if you go too slow, you'll fuck it up. And what's what I really think is cool about this kind of work is that if you fuck it up, there's no way to hide it, man. If you fuck it, it's so high pressure because, like, if you fuck it up, you fucked it up. There's no, there's no wiggle room here. You, you blew through the pipe, dude. 
That is incorrect. Or that, well, well, you just piled a bunch of material and that's not good either. If you have a well with too little material, that's not structurally sound. Or you can also fuck it up by putting too much material on it because then the, the stress points of the weld itself become, uh, like not, I'm sorry, I don't even know the term for it, but I know that it fucks it up also because of stress points and it'll break at a different place. That's why there's a whole industry of weld inspectors because this shit's so important. And I haven't hit on this yet, but yeah, this is like what like America was built on. All the bridges, all the everything. Everything is welded. All the buildings, everything is welded. Like, it, I think it's just a really important trade that I, I don't know if a lot of people like uh, really look into or anything. Or At least when I was a kid, I didn't really even consider doing it. I wish I really fucking considered doing it because it would have been so cool to get good at. Or even learn at as a young dude. Anyway, so you're... The travel speed, also the direction of the weld complicates what you're welding because, yo, you're on Earth, so there's gravity, and you're dealing with a weld pool, pool meaning liquid. So you have to judge what kind of weld. Are you going to go from the top to the bottom? Are you going to go from the bottom to the top? I don't know. How's gravity going to affect this? How am I going to linger when I'm welding? If I'm stick welding, whatever, MIG welding, TIG welding, any kind of welding, how am I going to linger on certain places? Am I going to try to shade the weld over to one side of the base metal versus the other side? Also, what kind of what kind of weld am I going to do? There's different weld patterns once you get going. Sometimes it looks like a cursive E. Sometimes it's a stitch pattern. Dude, this job and this trade is endlessly complicated and really cool. I like the whole thing about it, man. Anyway, so if you're looking for the best weld, it's not it's not like TIG welds the best or MIG welds the best or stick welds the best. I mean, there's also a ton of other types of welds I haven't covered here, but what you're looking for for the best weld is that you're going to look at your type of base material or your type of base metal, what are your parents metals made out of? And I haven't gone into that of like metallurgy or what welds what better. I just skipped all that to try to get this information out. So you're going to combine your type of parent metal plus your final intended use. So for example, Magnetogorsk, we're looking at steel. And then our final intended use is Sonic the Hedgehog level factory city. Okay. And it's going to be done outside. Stick welding. Stick welding all day. I don't care if people don't speak English. Get those guys with the amphibian language up there, dude. We're stick welding it. We got to go. We got World War II on the horizon. We got to build this shit. Yep. Let's say you're welding a quarter panel onto a Hyundai Kona. All right. You're going to be inside. Steel. Production speed's important. Talking about penis pumps with Jeff, dude. We're MIG welding. Here we go. And then let's say, third example, delicate aluminum work that people are going to see. Something in your business that customers are going to come in and see. You might be looking at TIG welding there. You might be looking at TIG welding there. It's the prettiest version. Also, TIG welds can do any sort of type, uh, are very versatile in what types of metals they can do. They can even put together like different types of metals that aren't compatible. Now, I didn't get into like the metallurgy of like what types of metal go where, what's because again, I just skipped all that to try to get this information out the best I can where like my mom can also enjoy it. And then if you're a professional welder, dude, you're not listening to this. Like, what the fuck is this guy even talking about? Which you may be, which would be a fair assessment. Again, I haven't, I haven't drunk a lot of, I haven't drunk a lot of beads with any of these materials. This is just all book learning. And, uh, there's no way for me to really emphasize how much of this is like, at least when I was in the, uh, in the body shop, it was all horse learning for me, which like, if you listen to episode two, the same way I learned piano, where it's just trial and error, trial and just teaching your body how to do different things, doing things wrong, doing things wrong forever, watching Saber Private Ryan, Tom Hanks fucking crying again. Why are you crying again? Get back in, keep fucking up, keep fucking And you just eventually with the goal of like, but if I do become a technician and learn how to weld and I'm a cool Diablo 2 character, I can make a, a bunch of money, more or less be my own boss. Even if I have a boss, they know that like I'm valuable at the shop, so this is cool. If you're a young dude, really think about getting into a trade. I wish I could. Again, I don't know how your brain works, but I wish I could have done that when I was younger. That'd be awesome. So just to recap, arc welding, you're looking at the arc. The the power comes from the electricity. It was that dude in the basement, Sir Humphrey Davies, who packed his buddy's basement full of fucking batteries and was like, look at this light. Let's put this inside. Then people had indoor lighting, arc lighting for a while, and they were like, I can't fucking see. And then we go to stick welding, which is um, – you know, technically the all-around champion, it's super versatile for pure strength, and it's the most versatile with possible thicknesses of metal. Uh, 
you're going to go stick welding. Uh, but it's not always the best choice. Again, MIG is also very versatile and it's easy to learn and it's great for production. You can get a lot of shit done with MIG easily. And then TIG welding for products that are high quality welds, they're going to be seen by people. It's delicate. But again, TIG welding is so fucking complex. You better have a calligraphy pen like you're writing fucking the Declaration of Independence, man. That is so if you take anything, I mean, if you're going to look up one thing from this, just look up TIG welding demo and see how crazy that is. And think about like it's like playing the piano with two hands. Like, you have to be able to do, use both hands at the same time correctly, and there's so much shit that might go wrong just in one hand. Anyway, guys, episode 17. I really like this one. I uh, I like this one a bunch, and uh, it did fire me up to, like, I didn't know I had such a soft spot for, like, really wishing I learned this shit. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to fix my back. I might have to get surgery and stuff like that, but, like... I don't know. It's a really interesting field, and especially now knowing all this stuff about it, but not being able to do it myself. I mean, I just think it's really cool. So if you're a young dude, I mean, at least look into it. I mean, don't start with TIG welding. That one looks crazy. But like, dude, just look up like stick welding. It's it's the, the pictures of dudes building the Empire State Building, the shit that built America. Dude, stick welding's cool. The whole thing's cool. I don't know. Uh, but that's just me. It's just my opinion. I don't know. But um, guys, thanks for checking out episode 17. Um, <laughs> what was my eventual title? I had a bunch of different titles for this. I was like, oh my God, it was... I was, I was joking around too much before I started looking into it, and then I got so serious. I was like, you have a fucking serious title, Chris. Will you stop with your joke titles? So episode 17 of Oil Presentations, the history and introduction to arc welding. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you're just a regular person who didn't know anything, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. And if you're a dude who welds professionally or you work with welders, I hope you're not going to come down on me too hard. I did, I did my best looking into this shit. Again, this is nowhere near exactly what you guys do every day because you got to have a Rolodex of what type of metals and what type of everything. But nothing but respect for you. Also, uh, my brother-in-law's guys, my brother-in-law's a white hat. He, uh, he like runs a site. I found out that his dudes were listening to this podcast on the site, and my brother-in-law was like, "Is that fucking Chris?" And then asked my sister, like, "Yo, does your brother have a podcast?" So, yo, if you dudes are working under Pete right now, yo, what the fuck's up? What's going on? It was awesome for me to get that whisper down the lane back. And uh, I heard Pete is buying lunch on Friday for everybody. How about that? You know, that's what I heard. <laughs> fuck yeah. Also, Pete, if you, I don't know how many guys work under you. If it's like 100 dudes, just tell them the fuck off. Don't do that. But if it's like 10 guys, I'll, I'll, I'll find like, I'll hit a coin star and give you 50 bucks to split it with you. I was so... I was blown away when I found that out when my sister told me that, dude. It was so cool. So anyway, guys, episode 17, Oil Presentations, the history and introduction to art welding. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to have one on uh, one on Wednesday. We're going Shakespearean on the Patreon. I'm excited for that. Um, and then I don't really know what I'm doing next week. I don't know. i got to figure out what topic after that, but I'm excited for Wednesday. Guys, thanks for listening. Hell yeah. I hope you guys have a great week. Um, and maybe you learned something. I don't know. This stuff's super interesting to me. I'm, I'm definitely a goon for it, so... I can't tell if this one's good or not. I hope it is. Anyway, guys, have a nice week. I'll see y'all.